On Wednesday, marijuana is set to take a giant step forward into the mainstream legally. That's when Canada becomes just the second nation to legalize its recreational use. Some say global spending on recreational pot could be a $30 billion industry in just a few years. With figures like that, is America next? This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me now on assignment from Halifax, Nova Scotia, is Bloomberg's cannabis reporter, Christine Orwam. Christine, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So what are you doing in Halifax? Well, it's a small city on the eastern tip of Canada, so it might not be the most obvious place to spend uh, the first day of cannabis legalization. But I'm out here because the province of Nova Scotia has kind of an unusual sales model for cannabis, which becomes legal in Canada tomorrow. They're doing government-run stores, but they're the only province that's going to be selling both alcohol and cannabis in the same store. Other provinces have been wary about doing that. But that should prove to be a very interesting little experiment because there's been some talk that increased cannabis consumption decreases alcohol consumption. Hmm. So this will be a really demonstrable way to measure that effect. So you know, there is a lot to break down when it comes to what ex- exactly is legal come Wednesday. So what is happening? What actually becomes legal? Who can buy it? Where can you buy it? Yeah, so as of tomorrow, as of Wednesday, Canada becomes the only the second country in the world after Uruguay to legalize cannabis across the country. Obviously, a lot of states have legalized, uh, but not the entire country of the U.S. And this is recreational use. So anybody, whether or not you have a prescription over the age of uh, 18 or 19, depending on the province, can legally buy and consume cannabis, in, but only in certain forms. At first, the only forms of cannabis that will be legal are dried flowers, so that's the stuff you smoke, uh, capsules, which basically you take in pill form, and tinctures, which is kind of like drops that you put under your tongue to absorb. Sort of a strange mix, but the one notable thing that's off that, left off that list is edibles. So no, no pot gummy bears, no pot chocolate bars. Those will not be legal until next year in Canada. And so why the rollout plan for all of that? Well, it's been sort of a cautious approach by the government. I mean, Canada really is trailblazing here. A lot of other countries are watching what uh, the government is doing and how they're approaching this. And so they're trying to strike the right balance between being cautious, making sure they don't go overboard, but also showing how liberal they're being in this approach. And so I think there was some concerns around edibles. And you've seen this in a lot of American states, too, where if you have them in the form of gummy bears or candies, children might see them, they might not understand what they are and eat them. You don't want to have that kind of incident happening on day one of legalization. And so the government wanted to roll up the safe, obvious stuff first and then and then move towards the other forms uh, sometime next year. So you, you say they're being very cautious about this whole process. Why now? Well, this is actually comes from a promise that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made back in 2013. Um, medical cannabis has been legal in Canada since 2001. So we've had, long had a medical regime here. And Trudeau, who was not prime minister at the time, he was leader of the Liberal Party, made this promise kind of off the cuff. He was speaking at a rally in British Columbia, which is home to BC, but it's probably one of the provinces where cannabis is most widely used and grown. And he saw a sign in the crowd that was calling for decriminalization. And he pointed that out and said, you know what, I don't want to decriminalize. I want to actually legalize. And this comment, which was very off the cuff for him, caught some people even in his own party off guard. They were not expecting this. This was not a stated platform flank. Uh, but ever since that comment, they've made this a real uh, important push and part of the liberal platform. Uh, when they were elected in 2015, it was one of the first things they did was to introduce that legislation. So now, you know, 
five years after Trudeau made that first comment, here we are actually facing the reality of it. So, you know, years after he made that comment and surprised everyone, like you just said, how much is on the line for him going forward? I mean, I think there are a lot of countries are watching what Canada is doing here, and especially, I think, the United States. I was mm-hmm. talking to the CEO of MedMen, which is an American cannabis retailer based in Los Angeles yesterday, and he said that, you know, the states is watching Canada here very, very closely because there's been a lot of talk about legalizing at the federal level in the U.S. Of course, depending on what party you belong to and your views, you may completely oppose that or completely support it. But but Canada is kind of acting as a model for the world here. And so the Liberal government here is very conscious of that fact. They want to make sure that this goes smoothly, that there are no incidents, that they are able to ideally eradicate the black market pretty quickly and show that this is not a scary thing to do, that it actually makes a lot of sense, and that if you do it right, you can eliminate the black market and have a sort of a, a safer way of consuming cannabis in the public realm. And if you do it right, because as you say, a lot of people are watching what Canada does, there's a lot of success on the other end of this. You know, people are calling it the so-called green rush. So what, what, how, how financially profitable can this sector be? Well, yeah, I, I mean, you've certainly seen the green rush in the run-up in stock prices. There are now, I believe, 140 publicly traded cannabis companies on Canadian exchanges with a market, market value of over $60 billion Canadian, just to give you a, a sense of the sheer size of this industry already. And this is before legalization has even happened, right? So there's talk that the, the recreational market globally could be about $32 billion by 2022. The medical market globally could be even bigger than that. I've seen a report that said $50 billion by 2025. And so we're talking, you know, numbers in the tens of billions. There's huge opportunities around the world. And a lot of other countries are quickly liberalizing, not on the recreational side like Canada has, but on the medical side. We just saw the UK uh, this month come out and say that they're going to start opening up a medical regime for cannabis use. And so Canadian companies have really led the way in the development of a lot of products and medical research. And so I think the question now is how long they can hang on to that lead, especially if you start seeing big American competitors coming in. And we've already seen big competitors, not only from the medical industry, as you're saying, but also like soda drink or soda companies want to use marijuana. What other products could we see shortly? Yeah, well, we have uh, big alcohol in the form of Constellation Brands investing in Canopy, which is a Canadian pot company. Uh, Coke has expressed interest in doing CBD-infused drinks. Uh, CBD is a, is a cousin to THC that doesn't actually get you high, but it's thought to have medical properties. And so it's interesting because I was just thinking yesterday about how the narrative around around weed has really changed from being, you know, reefer madness and this really negative mm-hmm. drug that makes you lazy and, and unsuccessful and so on. But now it's almost considered like a holistic wellness product, which is so the polar opposite of what it used to be, right? And when you have companies like Coca-Cola talking about having CBD-infused drinks where you could, you could use them as a sports recovery drink or to relax or to help you sleep, I mean, it's just it's so interesting watching how the narrative around cannabis-derived products has changed in the last two or three years. Yeah, it's no, not so much of a gateway drug anymore to other drugs. It's now more of a, a gateway product into a much larger industry. Mm-hmm, exactly. So about one-fifth of the United States um, has legalized recreational use, and next month Michigan and, and I believe North Dakota might join them when they vote on, uh, during the midterm elections. What can the United States learn on a federal level from the process that Canada has now gone through? I think one thing the U.S. 
can take into account is, is how successful this has been uh, to Canada from like a financial level, right? So, and, and this is really, Canada's benefited hugely from the fact that it hasn't been legal federally in the U.S., which has meant that our stock exchanges have become the go-to listing place for a lot of American-based cannabis companies because they can't legally list on American exchanges. Our banks, our investment bankers have done a huge number of equity and debt deals in this sector because, again, American banks can't legally get involved too closely with these companies. And then, of course, we have this massive industry around both recreational and medical Mm -hmm. cannabis and research that has really helped. And so the U.S. has kind of missed out on some of those opportunities because of not having that federal legality. So, I mean, all of this sounds really, really good. A lot of positives. But what are the dangers we should be talking about as well when we when we talk about legalization? Well, I think that sort of in a strange way remains to be seen, right? I, the, the question that really needs to be answered, and we won't know this until we have some data from the first several months of legalization, is are, you know, a lot of Canadians smoke cannabis regularly. This is, this is a well-known fact, <laughs> and, and they're sourcing it from the black market. And so to be able to move those people from the black market into a legal market is, is undeniably a positive, I think. And if they're smoking it anyway or consuming it anyway, um, it's much better to be doing it in a legal framework than, than illegally, of course. But the question is, do you have a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have tried it starting to try it? Uh, does it make it, does it lessen the stigma for young people, for teenagers? Um, these are, all, are there issues around smoking and driving? There, have, there hasn't really been a good system developed like breathalyzers to test for whether a driver is high. Do we see more accidents on the roads because of this? Do we see more underage use? I mean, these are all questions that remain to be answered. And I think the government has done what it can to try to guard against that. But there, there may be unintended consequences of this that we just, we just can't guess at yet. If legalization in Canada is a success, is it all but inevitable that the U.S. will follow suit sooner rather than later? Well, I think probably it is. Um, I mean, it's so much depends on the political climate in the U.S., of course. Um, generally speaking, the Democrats tend to support at least liberalization while the Republicans don't. I've heard a lot of um, American-based marijuana company CEOs say that if the Democrats win the Senate in the midterms, that might move more towards uh, at least liberalization, if not legalization. But I've also heard people say that Trump's the kind of person who, if, if he thinks the Democrats are going to do this and get a major win out of it, he's not going to want to let them get that win. And so he might just just unilaterally decide, no, you know what, I don't really care. It's not an issue he seems to care a lot about. So he might just decide to go ahead and legalize or at least put something in place that allows the state to do what they want without the threat of federal intervention. So the, I think all, all eyes right now are on the midterm elections, and, and there's, it's widely thought that whatever the outcome of those elections are, will kind of determine the trajectory of pot use in the U.S. for the next for the next couple of years, at least. Christine, thank you. Great, thank you. Make sure to follow Christine on Twitter. She's at Christine Orem. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.